This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon, and I am here with Mims. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. It's so nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been really good to see the sun again. Mm Mm-hmm. I almost forgot it existed. Yeah. Not really sure why we all choose to live in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess there's no alligators up here. That's a bonus. Yeah. And scorpions. That's also a bonus. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I don't think we really experience earthquakes. No? I don't think so. No, I've never experienced one. Um, so those are good. Yeah. Good selling points. Yep. Hurricanes. I just wish it was always summer. Yeah. Because the summer's amazing. Yeah. Well, you pay a price for that overpopulation and... Oh, that's true. All this other shit. You have a lot of good points. Thank you. <laughs> this is the points that I have to review each time that I feel that way. So I have it like on I deck. I couldn't think of any when I was trying to remember. Yeah. On Saturday, I was sitting outside by the water. Like, I could do this all the time, but you could. I live in Wisconsin. Yeah. And I can only do this for three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No shade to like Florida, but a little bit of shade. I'm sorry if you have some <laughs> listeners down there. But, I mean, Florida is, like, the state's, like, basement, as I consider it. So, it's, like... It's very trailer park. Very trailer (laughs) park. It's always, like, the the bad type of hot, you know? I like the humidity. Do you... Oh, my God. I've never heard anybody say that. I love it. Oh, God. It's so good for your skin. You're always glowing. It's good for your joints. You... But you have, like, white people hair, though, so, like, this in humidity, nasty. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, my hair will just keep getting bigger, but it's, I don't care. It's like, oh, well, I guess if you don't care, <laughs> I care, because I just, it doesn't look good. I just, like, poofy, hmm. and it's not cute. No? Not a good look. But here we are, in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got anything? Um, the Bucks lost. They're out of the playoffs. Oh, that's it? Yeah, that was it. Oh, shoot. It's very tragic. Um, There was a lot of shootings in Milwaukee after the game on Friday. That was also very tragic. Oh, do you think related or unrelated? Um, They were downtown. A bunch of them were downtown, so I'm not sure. Maybe. It didn't happen, like, in the Deer District where all the people were. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Not that it's good in general, but... Yeah. I don't know. It's just sad. A lot of terrible things over the weekend around the country. Yeah. It's a constant. It's constant. We live in a chaotic world. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching Working Moms to lighten my mood. Oh, my God. I love Working Moms. Okay. Nobody else has watched it, <laughs> and I'm like, this is gold. It is. Like, this is really good. It is. I'm it's almost so done. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, flying through it because it's so good. None of your friends watch it? No. That's crazy. And I have friends that are moms, and I'm like... Yeah, my friends and I waited for it to come out. It was, like, in between seasons. Like, when is the new Working Moms oh, coming really? out? Oh, really? I'm yeah. like, I have all the seasons right now, so I'm just like, yeah, boom, boom, getting it all done. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. So that's what's up with me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I've just been doing the Wisconsin things, boating. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. First weekend of boating, so that was nice. I went yeah. to Peninsula State Park. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Very nice. If you haven't gotten a state park pass, I recommend. Oh, yeah, I need to get mine still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. That's enough. 
That's enough. You guys don't want to just hear about our glorious <laughs> right. outdoor weekends. Our hobbies and our likes and dislikes. Okay. If you do, if, But if you guys have places in Wisconsin that you're like, you know what? You really need to check this place out. I'm all for recommendations. Oh, yeah. Me too. I got one of those um, pamphlets that they give out at the state parks and they have like all of them in there. Yeah. And I lost it. So I'm pretty bummed out about it. So if you have a specific place that you like to go hiking, bring your dogs, yeah. go w- water skiing, whatever. Whatever, yeah. Let us know. Yeah, I like to be outside. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. And now we'll talk to you about all the terrible things that happen <laughs> in Wisconsin. Here we go. <laughs> okay. So I am doing. Um, the tragic story of Raymond's, and that's the town of Raymond's, uh, Jane Doe, and Raymond's is in Racine County. I've never heard of it. Okay. So, I got my sources from the nationwidechildrens.com, uh, Wikipedia, SBC58, Law, I put Lawn, <laughs> Law and Crime, Oxygen, uh, Wisconsin Court Access, and Disability Justice. <clears throat> so, on July 21st, 1999, an unidentified body was discovered within the first rows of a cornfield by a father and a daughter walking their dogs. Aww. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't even know what I would do. I was just like walking my dogs and I seen a body. I don't think my most of the time people's brains don't even comprehend that it's a body. That's what I was just about to say. Like typically they go to mannequin yeah. or uh, I don't even know what other people think or yeah. So, yep, that's what happened to them. Um, so the body was found along ninety. Second Street in Raymond, Wisconsin. The silver lining about this woman's body being discovered is that she appeared to be dead for only 24 hours, which to me is a good thing for investigators as inspecting the body should warrant some results right away. Um, Injuries were apparent and her right arm was bent unnaturally behind her. Uh, however, I will dash what little hope you had on uh, this body's discovery as it rained on the night before her body was dumped and little evidence of the perpetrator was found. Uh, it truly was terrible timing as her body was placed at the scene about 12 hours before the rain occurred. Also, it just washed away the evidence. Yeah, instantly. That's horrible. Uh, it was confirmed that this woman's body was not there the day or the day before as the witness was at the same location and did not see her at that point. Additionally, based on the marks on her body, she appeared to have been dragged 25 feet from the roadside. Um, So obviously she had road rash. You could see where her body was slid to where she was. Yeah. Um, She wore a man's shirt, gray in color with a floral design on the front. So pretty specific shirt. Um, investigators contacted the shirt's manufacturer to get clues on who would have purchased the shirt, anything that would really help identify the woman's body. Uh, it was learned that this type of shirt was first sold in 1984, leaving a pretty large window. So this was like a 15 year window Mm -hmm. from when they first sold the shirt to when this incident occurred. So that didn't really help. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that they can track down when clothes were made? Mm-hmm. I love that they kind of nailed uh, Richard Ramirez in that way, too, with the shoes. Like, all they needed, all they had was, like, that shoe print, and they were like, we're going to call the <laughs> manufacturer, and it was like a, it was like, what, like Adidas or something like that? I'm probably wrong, but, like, some something big, and they were mm-hmm. like, they got results. That's crazy. Uh, so she was also wearing black sweatpants on... Uh, but no additional clothing was found, including shoes or socks. But she was wearing earrings. Hmm. Okay, so let's jump into the autopsy. And if you're at all squeamish or sensitive to descriptions of abuse, please skip ahead. I will totally understand. It does get a little bit, you know, turns your stomach. So yeah. be warned. Um, it was determined that there was multiple injuries across her body. And it was also determined that she had endured several weeks of neglect in addition to a long-term physical abuse. 
This was indicated by malnourishment, and she suffered from an untreated infection in her left elbow. Notice that I didn't say on, I said in her left elbow. That's really interesting. <clears throat> Due to the evidence left on her body, it showed signs that the abuse increased in severity in the days immediately prior to her death, and she had also been sexually assaulted. Potential chemical burns were identified on 25% of her body, and road rash was also observed. Her nose was broken, as and several of her ribs uh, although some of the latter injuries occurred after death, so it could have probably been when she was being dragged, you know, mm-hmm. with maybe it was her face was facing down onto the ground. Okay. Um, <clears throat> she also had a cauliflower ear deformity, um, which was caused by the recent increase of abuse she suffered, either from uh, being beaten or being pulled. And for those of you who don't know what a cauliflower ear is, it occurs when blood that collects in the outer ear after an injury isn't drained properly or becomes infected. If the initial injury is ignored, cartilage in the outer ear may then overgrow, resulting in like a bulbous deformity Mm. on the ear and plastic surgery is necessary to restore the ear's shape. Um, Sharp force trauma was also evident on the same ear. So, just really beaten. Yeah. Um, Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, additionally, the examination suggested that she may have been cognitively disabled as well, as if the people who had done this weren't, you know, monsters enough. Like, she also had an impairment. Um, It was believed that she was most likely 18 to 35 years old. Her front incers protruded from her mouth. So that's, um, like, her teeth were kind of, like, sticking out from... Mm -hmm. And then um, she had decay in her mouth as well. Um, Many of the teeth had basic neglect. And it wasn't really indicative if it was personal hygiene or if it was just overall abuse um her hair was curly and reddish brown and it was collar length and appeared to have a blonde highlights her eye color was difficult to discern um some thought it was brown or green or hazel and there was evidence that she had potentially been wearing glasses despite her not having them at the crime scene mm. With all of the discerning features, you would think that someone would be like, hey, yeah, I know who she is, but nobody said anything. Nobody Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. So, although no one claimed this Jane Doe, over 50 people attended her funeral on October 27th, 1999, after the autopsy and other examinations were completed, and she was buried at Holy Family Cemetery in Caledonia. Wisconsin. Her headstone read daughter uh, Jane Doe along with the dates of discovery and burial with the phrase gone but not forgotten. This case really got me because she was disabled and she was treated so badly and she was thrown you know like trash and then left without any identification for a proper burial as well so just so much abuse. Investigators were not giving up, and this was not the end for them. They were going to figure out who she was through multiple reconstructions that were created of her face to assist with a visual identification of the body. In 2012, a revised construction was created by the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children, replacing the original one. Uh, Police theorized that she was an intentional, or I'm sorry, international visitor. Mm. or a runaway child, or was estranged from her family, making it slightly more difficult on narrowing down her identity. In 2011, investigators followed a potential lead that the victim may have been Andrean Bowman, and she was born Alexis Badger, who disappeared from her adoptive parents. This is a house in Hamilton, Michigan, on March 11th, 1989. However, DNA profiling via her mother, Kathy, demonstrated that they were not the same person. So that hope was dashed as well. And that's so tough for 
everyone. Yeah. Like, right. Like, because investigators were like, okay, this could be it. And then Mm -hmm. the family was like, okay, this could be it too. And then no results. Leaving them back to square one. Yeah. So additional missing persons in that time frame that fit the general description were Tina Ambrosio and Karen Wells, but they were ruled out. Some believe that this case could be linked to the murder of Mary Kay Chemizo, a previously unidentified victim who was discovered in Lake County, Illinois. Chemizo was also found malnourished, had poor detention, and had been beaten to death. Three, there was three that were arrested, so it, it wasn't her. Mm. So another, another letdown. Jane Doe's remains were exhumed on October 16, 2013 for further study and transported to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where her body had previously been examined in 1999. Authorities hoped that by studying the isotopic makeup of her bones that they would be able to tell where she had lived prior to her death. This case had so much help that even included an anthropologist from Tennessee who was employed to conduct the test. Although the murder remained unsolved at this time, investigators hoped that they the case would eventually come to a close. Uh, a press conference in 2013 explained that it had uncovered more clues, giving them the hope that they had were holding on to for such a long time. So two years later, on July 19, 2015, it was announced on that the examination of her remains had been completed and that they they would be reburied on the 16th anniversary of the body's discovery. Authorities stated that they indeed uncovered new leads from from exhuming her body, but strangely enough declined to state any details. Interesting. On October 20th, 2016, 17 years after her body was discovered, It was announced that chemical isotope testing performed by the Smithsonian on a sample of Jane Doe's hair and bone suggested she was potentially from from or spent several years of her life in Alaska, Montana, or portions of southern Canada. Just science is so fucking weird and wild. Um, Authorities did not comment on what testing the results were from, whether the... Whether recent were... Oh my gosh, I'm losing it. Sorry. <laughs> um, so the police department planned on seeking forensic genetic genealogy organizations to identify potential relatives of the victim as well. And on <clears throat> November 7th, 2019, the Racine County Sheriff's Office announced that the sheriff, uh, Christopher Schmalling, would hold a meeting... Or, I'm sorry, a media briefing the following day to release information about the Jane Doe and her identity and the person that they had in custody for her death. Really? Mm-hmm. I really have to hand it to the investigators on this case as they did not stop working on it for 20 years and I know like That's so long. It is a long time but for these investigators they were just time wasn't an issue. They were going to work it. So, during the announcement, it was stated that both the victim and the individual in custody have substantial ties to a northwestern Chicago suburb. On November 8, 2019, Racine County authorities identified the victim through DNA comparison as Peggy Lynn Johnson Schroeder, who was 23 at the time of her death. She was from McHenry, Illinois, about an hour away from where she was found. And then her accused killer was identified as, um, she was a nurse, and her name was Linda Sue LaRoche. Uh, so let's get ready to talk about this piece of shit. Are you ready? Yeah. So Linda owned her own nursing practice established in 1997, which provided health care to at least two Illinois correctional facilities. Peggy was never reported missing, although an aunt placed a personal ad in a December in December 1999, um, asking her to contact her. Linda was arrested on November 5th, 2019, in Cape Coral, Florida, where she resided since 2013, and her warrant was listed as one million dollars. 
The thing that dug her in was that she reportedly confessed to killing someone during her stay in Illinois to various individuals who alerted police, as people should. Yeah, because who goes around saying, oh, while I was in Illinois, I killed someone. Right. I would have made, like, a citizen's arrest. (laughs) (laughs) I could see it. Right. I'd be like, praise, motherfucker. (laughs) Um, So Linda was charged with first-degree intentional homicide and concealment of a corpse. Authorities state the maximum penalty would be life in prison, and at the time she was charged with murdering Peggy, she was facing legal proceedings after causing a vehicle uh, accident while being intoxicated. So let's just rewind a bit and go back to Peggy. She was reportedly last seen by classmates at a 1994 homecoming dance in Harvard, Illinois, and the victim and her accused killer first encountered each other in 1994 at a medical clinic that Sue worked at. She became, so Peggy became homeless at the age of 18 after her mother died from AIDS and her brother and father had previously died before. Oh my goodness. Which explains the lack of a missing persons report and family presence. That's so sad. I know, like, this would happen. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, Officials stated that Sue recognized Peggy's disability and took her into her home. Hmm. So let's go into some facts about... I just want to inform people on the statistics on the likelihood of someone who has a cognitive or developmental disability of being abused. As I don't... I mean, to me, it's common knowledge that they are more subjected to abuse. Right. Um. So, according to disabilityjustice.org, abuse and exploitation are constant dangers for people with developmental disabilities. They are four to ten times more likely to be abused than people without disabilities. They tend to be abused more frequently and are abused for longer periods of time, and they are less likely, likely to access the justice system and are more likely to be abused by a caregiver or someone they know. Many are repeatedly abused by the same person, and sadly, they are more likely to remain in abusive situations. Right, because they probably just don't know what else to do. Right, and they, you know, depending on what they have as, uh, like, a a disability, you know, some may not be able to uh, discern that this is not something that is okay. Right. So... It's truly tragic, so please advocate for people that, you know, have these disabilities, and if you see something, don't let it slip or just say, oh, it's not my business. Like, that's, that nobody else stands up for these people. Right. So, do your part. Yes. (laughs) Um, Peggy agreed to serve as a housekeeper and nanny for Linda in exchange for room and board. So, um, Peggy lost the house... Um, after her mom died, mm-hmm. leaving her homeless, as I mentioned before. So there wasn't anything in place for her to be taken care of in the event that her mom would pass away. That's uh, terrible, too. Right. And then she really didn't have any other close relatives. I mean, her aunt took out a personal <laughs> ad, so it's like, it wasn't like the, oh, I call like her every week. family wasn't close, mm-hmm. yeah. So the emotional and physical abuse that against Peggy took place over a significant period of time before her death. It is presumed that it started from the first moments of her being there. As indicated by the autopsy, she was subjected to a poor living environment and was not well nourished. Instances confirmed by Linda's children confirmed that Linda would abuse Peggy. They started noticing things like Peggy having bruises on her face, and then it escalated from seeing her actually getting slapped or punched or stabbed with a pitchfork. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. And then and just she did this in front of her children. In front of her children and her husband, who all lived under the same roof, and nobody did anything. Oh my god! She was treated and talked to like an animal, and let it be known that. Children notice everything. Like, yes. they noticed it from when it first started happening. So, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that at all, at all under any circumstance. Right. Um, Kids often notice more than adults because they're not so wrapped up in their own bullshit. Little, you know, 
yeah, exactly. Yeah. We get so self-absorbed as adults because we have so many things to do, but kids are just, like, observing everything. Right, and I, I've listened to and read that I don't have any kids, so I don't know why I know all these things, but <laughs> um, the kids, like, feed off of, like, your the parents' energy, mm-hmm. and it's obviously you spend day in and day out with them hopefully yeah Yeah, hopefully and um you know they adapt to you and how you're feeling and they pick up on things they're just because they're young doesn't mean that they're dumb right uh so her ex-husband indicated that she it seems that she acted out of jealousy and rage however it's unclear on what triggered her to feel this way towards peggy because peggy was not any not like you shouldn't be jealous of her but she was known as being very positive and smiley and just like Mm -hmm. very kind-hearted so i just don't maybe that's why probably um so despite friends and classmates of johnson describing herself as mild-mannered and quiet linda claimed that the victim repeatedly stole her or stole from her in her home which caused for her to punish peggy uh, Linda stated that she stole medication and invited males over without permission. And I'm like, don't let somebody live in your house that it's 23 years old. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> if that even happened, you know? Right. Like, it, it's just a natural thing to, to happen. Um, Linda's now ex-husband stated she that he had come home in July of 1999 to find Peggy lying unresponsive, which Linda claimed re- resulted from an overdose, but we all know that that wasn't the case because her body was found brutally attacked, basically. Yeah. And Linda's a big fucking liar, so... Right. Linda then admitted to having a stored medication and the cellar. And when I say cellar, it was... So Peggy was forced to sleep in a crawl space. It wasn't anything oh like, God. yeah. So it was a crawl space, not a cellar. Uh, Sue then apparently witnessed seeing Peggy faint after emptying pill containers. Um, Peggy allegedly expired after being taken outside for getting air quality. Uh, Linda then instructed her then-husband to take their children away for an outing so that she can dispose of the body. And paramedics were not called, and Linda did not provide medical assistance to the victim, um, despite her being an actual nurse. So, like... I almost forgot about that part. Yep. She's an actual nurse, and she claimed that she overdosed and didn't do any of the nurse things. You know, try to resuscitate her, try to get paramedics or nothing. And did she tell her husband she was going to dispose of the body or, like, she's I, sick, I need to call for help? No, or? yeah, I think she basically was like, I'm going to deal with this. And he was like, okay. I w- I'd be like, I'm running for the hills. Like, this could be me next. Like, what the fuck? How is this okay? Yeah. Um, and to those who were wondering, the autopsy of Peggy's body disputed the alleged overdose as toxicology tests prove that negative results of any sort of inhibitors were in her system. Linda informed her husband upon his return that the victim regained consciousness, after which she gave two different accounts of leaving Peggy with her grandmother or abandoning her unharmed along a roadway in Wisconsin. Mm. Peggy's grandmother denied ever meeting members of the LaRoche family, let alone seeing Peggy on that day in question, and police explained they planned to exhume Peggy's body once again and re-enter her uh, next to her mother in Belvedere, Illinois. In March 2020, Peggy was officially buried next to her mom, and her tombstone was finally inscribed with her real name, which really touched me. So, Peggy was in this home for five years and endured count. Oh my god! Yeah, that's a long time. Endured countless unimaginable things during that period of time, and I'm going to remind you that Peggy was sexually assaulted, as discovered in her autopsy, meaning that Linda brutally beat her to death and sexually violated her violated her 
before, during, or after that occurred. See, I almost forgot that part yeah. of the story, too, because... Isn't that insane? It's a woman. Exactly. And you assume that would happen. Right. So, Linda first appeared in court on January 9, 2020, for a preliminary hearing, and her cash bond was revoked, leaving her unable to post bond. However, the hearing was adjourned due to the fact that Linda did not have an attorney. Surprisingly enough, she confessed to killing a woman in Illinois, but then flipped the script and claimed that she was innocent and did not kill Peggy. Of course she did. It's like you were just talking, you are writing about it in Florida, like what happened now? Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be what people do. Her trial was set for February 2020, uh, but was postponed until April 2021 so that she can get an, an attorney. Her trial kept getting postponed indefinitely due to COVID, mm-hmm. and then a status conference was set for June 11, 2021. During the trial, prosecuting uh, attorney Diana Donahue, Donahoe, I think, <laughs> uh, presented around 119 pieces of exhibits strengthening, strengthening the case against Linda. Linda went through multiple legal representatives, attorney Laura Walker, then attorney Carl Johnson, then attorney Jillian Shagadiger, who ended up all withdrawing. Mm. However, attorney Laura Walker went back as her counsel and remained until the end, which is... So she quit and went back. Yes. They probably pressured her. They're like, somebody's got to fucking be her attorney. Somebody needs to do this. Please, yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, she's she's heinous. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near her. No, because what if she gets out? Mm. <laughs> so I did see one article in which Linda herself claimed to be a victim of abuse when she was younger. However, I wanted to focus on the actual victim of this case and not this piece of shit. So if you want right. more of the background on Linda, please read the article by the Journal Times if you're really that interested. <laughs> You care about her excuse. <laughs> <laughs> On March 16th, 2022, a jury unanimously found Linda LaRoche at the age of 71. Oh, wow. Guilty of first degree intentional homicide, a class A felony of Peggy Lynn Johnson, and hiding her corpse, a class D fel- felony. Linda accepted her sentence without a hint of emotion. And I'm going to end my portion of this episode of off on a quote stated by the Racine County Sheriff Christopher Schmalling. Um, He states, the sheriff's office will never forget or stop working a cold case homicide. While the deaths of Peggy Johnson, Amber Creek, and Juanita Zordek were once cold cases, these cases are shining examples of the hard work and dedication of the members of the sheriff's office in creating closure for the victims' families. I would like to thank all of the professionals who assisted in bringing Peggy's killer to justice. And for anyone involved in any other homicide, you need to to worry. It's not a matter of if, but when you are held accountable. Yes. I love that. I do too. I truly believe that the Racine County could not shake the condition that Peggy was left in and fought tirelessly to find out who Peggy Johnson was and to bring the person responsible to justice. Um, So rest in peace, Peggy Johnson, and mad respect to the Racine County officials working this case. I just applaud their work. Yes. And also I will be posting pictures of the reconstruction of Peggy and one of hers, uh, a picture of herself, they look very similar, so I was very impressed they by that. They did a good job on yeah. this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the original one, I could see a little bit, and then they did another one, and I'm like, it's kind of almost spot on, almost. Mm. So I was very impressed. Because you never know with the reconstructions what you're going to get. It's hard, man. It is. Like, yeah. I don't know how they do it, but props to them. Yeah. It is hard, because you have no idea, like, how much fat people have in their cheeks or right. their lips or right yeah. yeah so i mean and just like how you style your eyebrows can make you look totally different right like <laughs> so many things yeah very true so yeah yay science <laughs> yes good All job right. thank you and i had never heard about that well good 
I know it wasn't entirely Wisconsin based, but, but it happened in Wisconsin. But it happened and they in Wisconsin. Solved it we in were Wisconsin. exactly so. Props to us. All right, I am going to talk about the story of Shannon Lynn Fisher. Okay. And my sources today are thecharlieproject.org, missingpersons.doj.wi.gov, madison.com, SWNews4U, the number four, and uh, Wisconsin Circuit Court Access, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Web Sleuths. <laughs> my favorite. Everybody's favorite. America's favorite. America's favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Shannon was 23 years old when she went missing on December 18th, 2006 from Prairie Duchesne, Wisconsin. Her missing persons report described her as a Caucasian female with brown hair and brown eyes. She possibly could have been wearing glasses at the time. She was 5'3 and 140 pounds. She was likely wearing a black coat in size eight and a half shoes and carrying a black suitcase. Mm, that's a look. That's a look, yeah. yeah. So Shannon had had her stri- share of struggles prior to her disappearance, which I feel like happens in so many missing persons cases. And it breaks my heart that so yeah. many cases start with people just struggling. Yeah, like this like, is not what they needed. No, you can have, like, mental health issues or drug issues right. or financial issues, mm-hmm. and then it just turns into a disaster. Yeah. So, she did not have stable housing. She didn't have a job, a vehicle, or her driver's license. Oof. She had two children, and they had been placed in foster care because she wasn't able to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And she had recently told her mom she was pregnant again near the end of November, but this was never confirmed. Mm. At the time of her disappearance, Shannon had been dating a man named Michael John Burroughs. And she had been staying at his apartment on the 200 block of east of Blackhawk Avenue in downtown Prairie du Chien. Although Shannon seemed to lack stability in her life, she did routinely communicate with her family, which is good. I encourage people to communicate. It doesn't have to be your family, because I know some families suck. Right. Well, but communicate fam- with, have a person. Family is who you make it. True. So, yes. you know, contact your version of a family mm-hmm. regularly if you have the time. Yeah. But make it, like, check in. Yeah. Especially if you're in a situation where you don't have, like, if you're transient. You don't have mm-hmm. a stable place that you are. Right. You need to have, like, a check-in day or something. So yeah. So if that's something really- happens people believe your family right right that's a good tip okay so she normally communicated with her family one time she had spontaneously decided to move to iowa with the father of one of her children but she still made sure she told her friends her plans like yeah, I know it's last minute, but hey, I'm going to Iowa. Well, and then she called her family when she got there. Well, that's good. At least she was keeping yeah, them she updated. Yeah, in touch with everybody very well. Okay. So when her family fa- failed to hear from her during the holidays, they knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. This led them to reporting her missing on December 28th, 2006. After she was reported missing, authorities discovered that the last time anyone had seen her was on December 18th at approximately 4 p.m. Her boyfriend, Michael Burroughs, would report that he kicked her out of his apartment at that time. He even went on to say to the police that she got annoying, so he had to get rid of her. Bro. No. It's like, what? No, you don't do that. Who says that? Mm Mm-mm. So, this, of course, led police to look at him as a suspect. Yeah. Yeah, like, you I'll throw the red flags up in the air. I don't have enough. Seriously. (laughs) However, the police conducted a stress test. A stress test. Explain. I don't know. And they said it's in lieu of a polygraph test. Okay. The Prairie Duchesne police used some kind of a stress test. Okay. I mean, I'm constantly stressed, so that would not work for me. <laughs> and I thought of, like, a heart stress test to be, like, run out of the treadmill. <laughs> it's not bad either. Oh 
So I'm not really sure how you conduct a stress test, because isn't that basically what a polygraph test is? They test your response. I would assume so. I've never heard of a stress test before, but I don't believe in any of that. And I'm pretty no, sure I don't either. polygraphs are not included into, you know, court cases, court, court no. cases anyways. So why is this even relevant? One time at one of my jobs, we used a polygraph examiner on one of our clients. Okay. To see if he was telling us the truth. <laughs> I, I would love to see you do that. Just like, you're fucking lying. I didn't get to be in the room. There's a professional that asked the questions. I just Googled what a stress test is. And this is off of Mayo Clinic. A stress test usually involves walking on a treadmill <laughs> or riding a stationary bike while your heart rhythm, blood pressure, and breathing are monitored. Yeah. So you weren't off. I don't think that's what the police do, though. <laughs> It'd be funny. It's like, let's go in here. I got a fucking... I got a treadmill. I got a treadmill. <laughs> like, you're going to get on. Get <laughs> your, your sneakers. Imagine. No. Like, what the fuck is this? They should do that. They should. Just, because some people would just crack. Right? They're like running and crying at the same time. Like, yeah. okay, fine, I fucking did it. I don't want to run anymore. <laughs> That's a good way to break somebody. I would quit. <laughs> like, it is. Fine. I'm not running, I'll confess. Yeah, I'll confess. <laughs> so so you would rather confess than run. That's what you're saying. No, I would run. Oh, would you run? I would run. How long could you run for? Before I needed to confess? Yeah. I would wait it out. I'll just keep going. I can only run, like, max a mile. Like, that's so pathetic of me, but that's the truth. I would just go as slow as I had to. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was an option. Uh, well, if there's a speed limit, yeah. then I'm going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> they got me for a mile, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, a good ten minutes. That's fair. And then I'm done. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to be bored. Oh. <laughs> I'd be like, because I'm dying, but that's just me. <laughs> okay. So whatever test they made him do. Right. He passed. Oh. Unexpected, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, don't count those for anything. Right. Definitely don't. Right. So uh, following this, the police did not have a very successful investigation. For years, the police had no idea what happened to Shannon. They believed that she had met with foul play, but they couldn't determine whether this came from someone she knew or she ran into a bad situation after leaving his apartment. Mm. So they're like, we do believe something happened to her. Yeah. Which is a good first step in these cases. Like, yeah, we believe that she probably met with foul play, but we have no idea. And that's basically what they told the community, like... There might be someone at large killing people. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I don't think they said it like that. Okay. But that's like, <laughs> that was the that was the, the gist of okay. the message. <laughs> I'd be stressed. Thing. I did not write <laughs> Get me on the stress test. It's a good thing I don't write their <laughs> right? their reports, their press release. <laughs> <laughs> right? You'd be causing me some heart attacks for sure. I would. But then, in October of 2010, the police announced that they had a major break in the case. Okay. So they held a press conference, and they reported that Michael Burroughs had came to the police station, but he just walked in on October 10th and confessed to killing Shannon. And that's not the boyfriend. It is the boyfriend. It is the boyfriend. Oh, yeah, God. The boyfriend just came in like, yeah, so by the way, I killed her. No shit. Yeah. This is why you don't do stress tests. Yeah, because it was some bullshit. Mm -hmm. Whatever they did, no. No. It'll be like on TV shows when they just hook them up to like a printer and they pretend pretend they're doing a polygraph You got me on that one. You got me on that one. (laughs) You're like, oh, I'm seeing some results. (laughs) I would totally do that. (laughs) Oh, my God. So... It gets better, because Michael is the character. Okay. So, he says he killed her, and the reason that he killed her is that she stole a bag of meth from him. Oh, God. And he got mad, and he strangled her. After strangling her, he had placed her body in his closet for two to three days. That's really fucking gross. Yes. And then eventually moved her out to the dumpster at his apartment building. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've always wondered this. 
but for people that live in apartment buildings, how do you not fucking smell that? How do I, you not smell a rotting I al- body? I always wonder that, too. Okay. There's no way. There's no way. Because I pick up on smells like that. Yeah, me too. And there's no way that I go to throw out my trash that I don't smell a decomposing body in there. Or, like, in the hallways. Yeah. People are always complaining about the smell of weed. You don't fucking smell a dead body. Right. No. I smell everything. Yeah, me too. If I'm in an apartment building, somebody's cooking something I don't like, I can smell it. To a fault. Yeah. I'm smelling, like, what kind of deodorant they're wearing. Yeah. Mm. Yep, so I don't know. A lot of incense. Maybe he smoked weed. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly there's meth involved, so... Or yeah. Did he say meth or heroin? Meth. I'm building. No, like, no. this is happening? People yeah. are getting strangled and meth is involved? Yeah, and they're right downtown. Oh, God, no. That was the other part. I was like, you're right downtown. Nobody notices you carrying a body out? Yeah. No. So on October 11th of 2010, Burroughs had his cash bond set at $250,000. So they didn't waste any time. They're like, you confessed. We're setting your bond. You're going to jail. On October 18th, 2010, Michael Burroughs was charged with first degree reckless homicide and hiding a corpse. Mm-hmm. He was arraigned on October 27th. But his behavior didn't seem quite normal to the people that had been interacting with him. Okay. What is normal behavior for a, a meth abuser? Probably his behavior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he apparently had made statements about people poisoning him. Okay, that is abnormal. And his... This is really abnor- abnormal. He believed that the air in the prison would be safer for him. He wanted to confess to her murder and be sent to prison because he would be less likely to be getting poisoned in prison and the air would be cleaner. I think the meth really got to him. Yeah, because the air in prison is not clean. I was going to say nothing about prison seems more sanitary than my home. No. Maybe more sanitary than his apartment. I fully agree with you on that. But don't people that use meth like to clean? I don't think so. <laughs> no? I don't think so. Is that that's coke? a hard no. Yeah, I think that's coke. Yeah. <laughs> Dusting everywhere, vacuuming. Like, no, no, I don't think that's a meth thing. Okay. So... All these statements led to them filing for a motion for a competency evaluation, which, I mean, I don't I would agree. question his I don't competency. Agree with that. They believed that he was suffering from some type of delusional disorder. So, if people don't know, if you regularly use meth, you can have meth-induced psychosis, mm-hmm. which leads people to believe that people are out to get them. Yeah. And you can even develop schizophrenia. Yeah, I do remember that. From using too much meth. So, yeah, don't use meth. Please don't use meth. And I'm not, we're not, like, I'm not judging. judging. No. We are not in the position of judging. Like, we all have our vices and whatever. Absolutely. But, like, it's so detrimental to, A, you, Mm -hmm. your your brain, your development, and everybody around you. Right. And that's the thing. Clearly. Because here we are. Yeah, just like the meth case in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Right. Crazy shit happens. Yeah. You might cut your boyfriend's head off. Yeah. Put your girlfriend in the closet. Yeah. Like, this is not stuff this that is people not, would normally do. Yeah, this is meth behavior. Yeah. And because it's just chemicals mixed together. Right. Yeah. They're not meant to be ingested. By, like, Joe from the trailer park, you know? Like, yeah. what does he have? A chemistry degree no no he does not he does not he googled some shit (laughs) (laughs) so on january 6th of 2011 burroughs would be found not competent to stand trial and he would be placed in a mental health facility for up to a year so he would have competency examinations every three months if within the year he still wasn't competent he would be released Oh, my God. What? 
Yeah, that's what it said. And I I don't understand how that portion of the thing works because I thought you just stayed in a mental facility until you regained competency. So you release a maniac mm-hmm. because he is still a maniac. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my Fortunately, God. it didn't happen in this okay. case. So on April 18th, 2011, so about three months later, he was found competent to stand trial. Okay. So I'm really curious how they cured his delusions this quickly. Maybe he was obviously not abusing meth anymore. And I mean, maybe he didn't hit full on schizophrenia. So then yeah, maybe being detoxing got him, got it all out of like his the system. sobriety. Yeah. Hopefully he just didn't use it long enough to be stuck like that. Cause I've met people that are stuck like that. I've never met somebody like that was full in like uh, an addiction for uh, with meth i have yeah i feel bad for them yeah Hmm. the joy of working public defender cases i feel like maybe i have but i didn't notice or something i just probably thought they were weird or something that could be yeah like you would assume they have mental health issues oh okay Okay. Because, I mean, at that point, they probably do. Right, right. Yeah. So, they fixed him, apparently. Mm Mm-hmm. So, they're magic. They should do that for a lot more people. Yep. And then, his attorney proceeded to file motions to suppress the dog searches, motions for a change of venue, motions to suppress his statements... Apparently, after he confessed, the police brought in a cadaver dog and her handler to search the premises. So, the canine Molly reportedly confirmed that the presence of human remains had once been in the apartment. Like, well, we want to see, you know, we know dude is on some drugs. Yeah. And he just walked in here, because who does that? So he came in, so they're like, well, let's verify this story. They brought the cadaver dog. So the cadaver dog verified the story. But the defense disputed the validity of the search and accused Molly's handler of cueing her to hit in the apartment. Okay. Okay. Well, could that happen? Maybe. It could. Yes, it could. But does his confession just go thrown out the window? No, that should not. No. The judge was not hearing any of it. Okay, thank you, judge. Well, I mean, the judge did hear them, but the judge did not side with them. Yeah. Because they brought in... This is the part that irritated me about the defense attorney. Mm -hmm. I understand you have to defend your client. Right. But he brought in an expert about dogs but it was about drug dogs and bomb sniffing dogs he didn't bring in an expert about cadaver dogs and they're two different kind of dogs and i felt like he did not understand dogs (laughs) (laughs) you just don't understand dogs and that really pisses me off i was irritated yeah like you couldn't find somebody that you gotta make sense in cadaver dogs because a drug sniffing dog and a cadaver dog are very different different yeah and the training is different. And right. the cues are going to be different. And right. So how are you going to get up here and testify about something you don't know about? That would be like me getting on the stand talking about cadaver dogs. <laughs> Could like, you imagine? No. Well, I listened to this podcast. Right. And, and I've explicitly heard. Yeah. No, that's not how it works. No. Educate yourself. You're literally representing somebody going to prison. Right. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Like me, like, I have two chihuahuas and this is how they smell for things. Right. This is how how they alert. Oh my god, this is a hot mess. So, I'm glad this guy was an expert in drug sniffing dogs. He'd be great for that, but (laughs) let's let's find a proper expert. Right. If you really want to defend your client properly. Yes. Yeah, I would would let that person go. Yeah. So, the judge agreed, and the motions were ultimately unsuccessful, because, of course, the state is going to have molly's handler there and she's gonna testify to everything about cadaver dogs because that's what she does right for a living yeah what the fuck exactly and 
Eventually, on January 24th of 2012, Burroughs did plead no contest to first-degree reckless homicide, and the state then dismissed the charge from hiding a corpse. I don't like when people plead no contest. No. Because I feel like they're that's their way of saying, I did it, but I'm not going to really say that I did it. I agree. I think that's just like the easy way out almost Mm -hmm. I don't like it no and I think if you're going to confess this is my thing too Mm -hmm. if you're going to walk into the police station and confess I killed my girlfriend Yes. I did all of this bullshit Mm -hmm. I do not then hire an attorney and fight it and then later plead no contest and still like try to act like I didn't say what I did he is so confused at what he's doing and his attorney did not help no i mean he tried but yeah (laughs) he tried did he okay (laughs) he did more than some (laughs) okay oh (laughs) i see what you did there yeah so the judge then ordered them to have a pre-sentence investigation to be conducted prior to sentencing we do that a lot in wisconsin because we paid a lot for the compass program Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the pre-sentence investigation was done and he was ultimately sentenced to 24 years in state prison and to six years of extended supervision Unfortunately, Shannon's remains have never been found. Yeah, that sucks. And tragically, they probably never will be, since it took Burroughs nearly four years to confess. And he claimed that he threw her in the dumpster, which Mm -hmm. went to the landfill, and once it's at the landfill, that's, like, impossible of finding. Yeah. So that really, really fucking sucks. And I hate that. And every time I drive by a landfill, I imagine how many people are there. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I say this out loud to my family. (laughs) I never think about that. No, you will. Yeah. Oh, God. I do. Every time. And then my husband looks at me like, why are you saying this in front of my children? (laughs) (laughs) Earmuffs. Earmuffs. They're just like, yeah, mom's weird. Yeah. And then Michael Burroughs is currently still incarcerated in New Lisbon Correctional Facility, but he'll only be there till 2034. That doesn't sit well with me. No. Me either. He looks kind of happy in his mugshot, too, because I always look up people's mugshots. I hate when people do that. Like, what do you look so happy about? I'd literally be, like, like, ugly crying in mine. As you should. Right. This is not a. This is not fun times. You should not be glad that Mm-mm. you killed someone and you're going to prison. No. Maybe he's glad he's not on meth. Yeah. Well, then good for him. Yeah. I don't want him to be happy though. No, me neither. So Shannon's family just will never find her. I guess. Just terrible. Yeah, that is really terrible. But I'm glad that he confessed because otherwise it never even would have been solved and right. they would still be looking for her. So he did one redeeming thing with his life. Right. And I feel like, now this is the point where I'm going to be weird. Okay. I think that she just haunted him until he confessed. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally a thing. If you ever heard of the story of Albert Fish. I don't know the story. That fucker is deranged deranged okay so he uh kidnapped a little girl basically like befriended the family walked into their house convinced the family to let him take their little girl who was like eight years old or something like that to a birthday party and this is back in like way back in the day okay so back when shit was not like helicoptering was not a huge thing right so they're like, okay, that's a little weird, but yeah, she'll have fun, blah, blah, blah. Ended up killing her. But he later on confessed to only her, even though it wasn't just her, because every night she haunted his dreams. Every night he would scream out her name mm. because of just being haunted by what he did. 
which is bizarre because it wasn't mm-hmm. only her, but like it that's it happens, I bet. I bet. Cuz that's what it sounded like to me. Like right. he was getting high and she was there like you'll be safer in prison you'll be safer in prison oh my god and And in your i mean in your home yeah that's every day yeah oh my god yeah that's my theory i like the theory i can i can vouch for that i would do that if i got murdered absolutely yeah and that's so in your right yeah all right okay well good job wow that was a crazy story thank you Mm mm-hmm Okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Yes. We love you guys. We love you. Bye. Bye. All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at all the sins of wi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't, don't forget, forget, we love you. Love you.